Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Off The Beaten Track podcast. I'm Stu Whiffin, your host, and I hope you're all doing very well today. It's another week, so it's another episode. And for this episode, I found myself back at the Hoxton Square Bar and Kitchen, where the lovely people over there, they let me record. And sitting opposite me for this episode was Killer Keller. Uh, I guess Keller is most famous for being uh, a champion beatboxer. Uh, But he's done a shed load more than that, which we will find all about as this podcast unfolds and uh and Keller's a podcaster and who's had some incredible guests on his podcast which again we will find out about but it was it was lovely to sit down and and, and have a good chat with him because he's a total gentleman which you are going to find out very soon before we do get on with it big thanks to everybody at the distraction pieces podcast and the pod dad over there scroobius pip um Big thanks to Mr. 76 for producing this. Uh, much love to my name is Ad for doing the artwork on this. Have you guys checked out Pod Bible yet? It's your essential guide to podcasts. Go and have a look at that. www.podbiblemag.com. Go and have a little look. I think I'm done with all the, the thank yous and the shout outs. So should we get on with the episode? Let's do that. Please enjoy Off the Beaten Track podcast. With Killer Keller. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing. www.sosclothing.co.uk Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. And in addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? 
So go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15. B-E-A-T-1-5. And that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk Official sponsors of Off The Beat & Track Podcast. Let's get back to that podcast. It's Off The Beat & Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Right, we are recording. We're in the Hoxton Square Bar and Kitchen on a Tuesday morning. Uh, the sun's shining, but it's, uh, it's pretty damn cold out there. Um, and today I'm joined by beatboxer, DJ, podcaster, and much more, which I'm sure we're going to find out about. Uh, Killer Keller. Hey, Stuart. Right. Yeah, mate. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, all right. Thank you for coming down today and doing this. Thank you for having me, man. Pleasure. Well, we were just talking before we started recording that we had we have met before you performed what was the band called at the time um it was them and us them and us yeah. that was it and uh and it was quite different from what i was expecting from you at the time yeah. um and yeah you played at the now defunct proud in camden yeah that was uh, a spot as well i remember we used to go off and the club would just pop it was wicked wasn't it yeah it was them and us that was the project that i was doing that was uh, alongside my then partner, Amy Carmine, um, who's gone on to do some awesome things. She's, um, uh, she's a DJ, singer, songwriter in her own right. And we just kind of came together on a practice that, you know, we're in a house together 24 hours a day and let's do something. Yeah. Um, at a time with the beatboxing, you know, I was kind of in a kind of flux, a bit of a two fork in the road, like, well, my, where do I go with this? And I knew that I wanted to try something different, but you know what it's like. You know, in artists, they tend to, like, do, uh, I don't know, they move on with their sound and their, their style, and then before you know it, it's like, oh, shit, like, they're doing something completely different that ain't what their thing, their USP is, do you yeah. know what I mean? And I hate that. So I wanted to do something that was outside of Kells. And so how did, as, as someone that, I mean, you, you found your one on my radar through the beatboxing, yeah. because... In, in that field, you, you're, you're a legend in it, right? Yeah, I'm doing you know, my thing. I think, I think, no, you know, you should, you know, you are a legend in that, in that, in that field without a shadow of a doubt. And was you being told otherwise when you wanted to sort of try and do other things? That well, hang on a minute, this is this is where you know this is where we can make money with you. Like why why are you sort of trying to rock the boat? Or did you find that you had sort of support as well f- um, from from those that were working, uh, you know, with you and, and, and managing you and stuff in, in regards to your career, were they sort of on board or? It's a, it's a combination. I mean, to be to be honest, it'd be hypocritical of me to be like, oh yeah, it's all right. Killer Keller can go and do like a, you know, a, uh, a uh, I don't know, synth pop kind of act. That's not a problem. Because in my, the dilemma in my head is like, no nah, man, like Killer Keller is not that. Do you know what I mean? Like it may work for Pharrell and NERD, but it doesn't work like when you one extreme. You come from like an underground hip hop beatbox, you know, street culture background, and then you're you're playing bass and you're making more heavier kind of enchanted dubstep heavy shit. Um, kind of one, it just wouldn't work. It, to my mind, it just didn't fit. Mm. Um, everyone else around were kind of chilled. They, it, my immediate 
core audience, it didn't really affect them because I just went off and did something else. Um, for the kind of people that were supporting me in, behind the curtain, um, I'd actually recently split up with my then manager, so I just felt it was like a you know perfect time to just kind of re up and yeah. explore new things. So, yeah. yeah. You, you, you touched on the sort of scene that you, you grew up in. Is that, is that hip-hop kind of street scene still as precious as ever, you know, as to like, you know, you, th th there's a code of conduct within that. Do you know what I mean? Is it still as precious as it was for, as, as, as my interpretation mm -hmm. of it, being older than you, seeing hip-hop sort of explode over mm -hmm. here from the early days and knowing how how that is set in its ways. Is, yeah. it, is it still as precious? I think it is, you know. And it was, was, Do you know what I mean by that? I, I, totally, and you couldn't yeah. have said it more aptly because I was only talking the other day to um, Zombie from DDS, graffiti writer, like King Graffiti Writer, right? He now owns Chrome and Black in Bethnal Green mm -hmm. Graffiti Store. And uh, we were chatting and, you know, he was like, there was a time with graffiti when, you know, it was, it was actually treated with such high tier respect because how do you do it? How do they do it? How do they get into the lines? How do they hit the trains? How do they get out of the yard? You know, shit like that. Um, but nowadays, the, 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 the magic tricks in a lot of like the subcultures are kind of passed down on, yeah. on the net. And you know, your kings of being the best beatboxer, it, it, it takes on a different front. It takes on a different, um, Instagram and all the social medias, they've, propelled it to such a higher state. There's actually a dip. There's actually a dip between 2010 and 2014 where there definitely was a detachment of what the tastemakers were, the, 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 the bona fide historical reference points. They suddenly got snipped because the internet and technology took a leap and bound and a whole younger generation grabbed that technology and made new stuff. And I think that's to be said. There is like there is like a scene for yeah, like you were saying, the kind of the unwritten rules and the you know the 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 bona fide articles. But at the same yeah. time, there's 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 certainly like there's been a shift. Yeah, yeah. the internet's going to do that, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, well we're here today to to talk about your creative journey and, and we're going to do that and we're going to soundtrack it by the songs that have, have featured in that. And so I always start this off with the song with the greatest intro. Yeah. So uh, far away. Well, so I must have been about, yeah, I must have been about 13 years old, 14. And I'd just come out of like being into like glam rock and heavy metal, a lot of thrash metal. And I heard Anthrax, Public Enemy, Bring the Noise. Um, you know, I never was really into the Run DMC Aerosmith thing. For me, it was just like, it wasn't as, it wasn't as heavy enough. But, but when I heard Public Enemy and like the statements and their attack and what their, their moral values were and like what was going on, it was so important to, you know, the transition with having Anthrax as the conduit to me discovering that. I got into Nations of Million, you know, that, that album was awesome, and the intro to that, um, the Armageddon intro, that that is sick. So for me, it isn't a song intro. It, well, it is in part, yeah. But it ain't. It's it's a whole entire album yeah. intro as well. So yeah. And the impact, and, and I know when you know you can watch every hip hop documentary under the sun, and they will reference you know that that kind of crossover point of of Run DMC and Aerosmith and, mm. and stuff like that, and, and and that's not to be overlooked, and I'm not, but for me, like what you've just said, that point, 
of, I mean, for, for me, that rock rap crossover was, was personified with the Beastie Boys, you know, with Hands License down. to Ill for me. Hands down. You know, yeah, yeah. The, the, the sort of Slayer riffs and things like that. That, yeah. that, that, yeah. that was delivering, you know, to a 14 year old lad. Yeah, like, yeah. Nothing was more exciting. But I can vividly remember like hearing uh, and seeing the video on the chart show of, of Public Enemy and Amphrax and yeah. just thinking, <laughs> give me a touch. That is so true. That is so Man, true. Bro, it was like, that. it was unreal. And yeah. it was like, there's like these guys we've like seen Scott Ian with like just yeah. this shaved head and little beard, yeah, yeah. but wearing kind of skate clothes. Yeah. Next to like Chuck <laughs> and Flav just fucking smashing their granny out of it. And then they fucking <laughs> toured together. Yeah, yeah. I no. mean, how fucking crazy and is that? And Ice T would jump up and yep. do sl- shot yep. slots as well. It's just insane. Like the whole, the, the, you know, I mean, right, Mountain Pot now, it, it goes without saying that there's the, the genres emerged and. and who cares? But at the same time, what made that e- a- a- applicable now is the fact that this happened. Yeah. And when it did, man, it was just like, they did, well, I'm going to argue that Anthrax and Public Enemy did such a good job of it, they kind of put it in its grave. Yeah. Because they couldn't, no one could touch it, touch that again. Yeah. It was like they had, they had signed off on like yeah. what was definitively that. I think the only thing that kind of w- w- that blew up. Can you remember the Judgment Night soundtrack? Oh, rings bells. Yeah. Uh, so the, the Judgment Night was a film with um, Emilio Estevez, I think, was in it. And, it, and the actual film, if, if my recollection of it, wasn't that great. But the soundtrack, I'm going to get all the bands confused here. But um, it was like the whole album was hip hop and guitar band mashups. So it was like. Um, I think Onyx oh, teamed yeah. up with Biohazard yeah, and, badass, yeah. and, yeah, and Teenage Fan Club and De La Soul yeah, yeah. Um, and trying to think who else was on it House of Pain and there was bands like Helmet Faith No More and the Booyah Tribe there was like a real each track was like this. it was a great album but as much as it was dropping in the clubs I don't think it had that reference point and because it had been done it had that heaviness of, of thrash guitars of Amphrax and the aggression of, of, of Chuck's delivery yeah. personified it. Yeah, kicked ass, man. Yeah. Kicked ass. I think, I think the energy of, of rap at that time as well, um, it, it, it was going through a new stage and there definitely yeah. was a, a, an angry, not only, not only with a message, a punk attitude, but yeah. I, it also all the samples they were using, it was like electric, it was heavy, it was, dr- yeah. you know, drop-down beats, you know. Yeah. And it kind of lent towards it being a bit more yeah. rocky, didn't it? And, I mean, seeing, seeing Public Enemy live is always incredible anyway, but just the, the smartness, that just I imagine it's Chuck, but just having Chuck being this, this prophet, delivering this, you know, the, these words... But to sweeten the spoon of it, yeah. you've just got Flav, yeah. the ultimate clan, yeah. next to you. And it just works, doesn't it? Like, <laughs> it does. It's just... It's you just know. your Morecambe and Wise. It's your, Completely. It's, yeah. yeah. And, and the Bomb Squad as well as a production unit. Like, different league. Different league, bro. It's, it's, I mean, you know. But these are all written in, like, historical, you know, reference points. And, and what's great now is that... Um, a lot of these, these, this era of the 90s is being revisited, you know what I mean, with the production values of now. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, this is one thing that I'm loving about music right now is that, you know, with, there's, there's a timelessness to being able to go on YouTube and, and discover a Rolling Stones record up against a 
Takashi Six Nine. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> During, yeah. It's like infinite, infinite yeah. potential. It's good. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and God, to, to have had that, that them opportunities to have the likes of Spotify back when hip hop exploded in the UK. I mean, I've mentioned it before. You know, there, there was just mixtapes floating about, and and if you could hear. Mike Allen, wasn't it? Like, if you yeah. could hear him on the radio, you knew you was going to get some hip-hop. And I guess this was maybe pre-Westwood. No, Westwood was probably doing stuff then. And and then, like you say, that someone might have a copy of Subway Art. Yeah. And then, like, you know, and you'd be like, my God, there's there's pictures of graffiti. You yeah. it, nothing was available. You yeah. had to search for it. And it was like, you just get the scraps like, of anything you could. What the fuck could. is this? Yeah, you it know? was. Can and and that's that? the thing. When things like Public Enemy cut through to... to the more mainstream kind of TV channels and radio stations, it was like, fuck, yeah. like just sanded like harder than anything you'd heard before, yeah, and yeah. like, and it, and and it, and it was saying something as well, yeah. you know, hundred percent, hundred percent vibes, man. Excellent. All right, well, uh, we're going to go for track two, Keller, and we're going to go for the first song that you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you. Yeah. What did I put? You went GNR. Yeah, I did. It was uh, Paradise City, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, as I say, I was like, like bang into a metal. And I don't actually know where that kind of derived from, but it certainly was a copy of Smash Hits magazine, Oh, There's Fucking Guns and Roses. What the hell's that about? You know, image has always been like an impressionable yeah. thing for me, and I think it really holds true to a lot of people, you know. Um, first time you see an Ollie kickflip, do you know what I mean? Just stuff like that. Yeah. There's a visual thing, and then the, sa- the music becomes a soundtrack. Whenever I, whenever I think of Guns N' Roses, I think of that era visually as well as sonically. And it was almost like a, uh, a snowball of like, well, first week I saw it in Smash Hits. <laughs> you know, I was only about nine years old, but then 10 years old, like super impressionable. The same weekend I saw Smash Hits again, um, sorry, uh, chart show, I see Paradise City on, and I was like, that was those guys. And then I saw a Sweet Child of Mine. I was like, oh my God. There was something about the, uh, the the lyrical value of Paradise City, though. You know, the grass is green and the girls are pretty. You know, and when you're a kid, just like, girls are pretty. Yeah, they yeah. are pretty. <laughs> you know, jeez, yeah, man. <laughs> Thanks, Axel. <laughs> you, you <laughs> oh, amazing. You know I mean? But I think as well, like, th- there was so much cock rock around then mm. you know with them kind of motley <laughs> crews and skid rows and, and and things like that that looked super polished and i think i'm not a fan of that mm. but when you look at guns and roses i think they just looked a little bit more rough around the edges they looked for real yeah i think yeah they did. more so than than those other bands yeah. and 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 i know that you know people that aren't into that music, you know, thank the, the Lord that, 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 you know, Seattle exploded and Kurt put that scene to bed. But mm. I do think that I, I, I don't, I don't bundle Guns N' Roses in with, 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 with those kind mm. of glam cock rock bands. I think they're, they're only, yeah, and, they and I think like, you know, that, that, that first album did have a lot to say. They are, they're an anomaly, aren't they? Like, I, I think, I mean, this has all been documented and, you know, put down in, countless uh, interviews and, you know, music, VH1 classics. But, like, when you when you were there and it was happening, like, it, it certainly felt like a change of tide. And I went back into, you know, so I'm, I'm into the glam stuff. I, I love it. And I, I, remember, I remember 
digging back into the scene once I'd heard Guns N' Roses, hoping for the same caliber of Appetite for Destruction. The closest thing I got to it was like Metallica Black Album and yeah. Motley Crue, Dr. Feelgood. Everything else kind of was, was a bit of a struggle because of the, um, I, guess it was, it, I guess it's equivocal now is what EDM is yeah. to dance music yeah, over yeah, here. Yeah. Because it was such, such popcorn, bubblegum kind of style stuff that was more relative to, to what's going on in the States and, and its consumption of the music. But, you know, over here it was a whole different beast. So I just couldn't connect with it and that was just a, that was a 10 year old kid trying to get his head yeah. into it you know what I mean but yeah no Guns N' Roses was its own own thing wasn't it so how old would you have been when you were that uh, I, I must have been about 10 10 or 11 yeah like I just started I just started um, second school where was that where, where did you grow up um, I grew up in Sussex in a place called Billingshurst uh, uh, near where Ronnie Joyce lives my mate Ronnie Joyce you know Ronnie of course um, big up Ronnie uh, he is he'll be listening and um yeah, I, I grew up there, um, left at about 16, just started bunking on trains, coming up to London every every weekend, and then that turned in, into sofa surfing for a long time, you know. Once you get the bug of, like, getting out, you've yeah. got to get out, and yeah. So growing up back there, mm. um, was there music on at home? Parents into music? Um, my dad was into, my dad was in, like, um, like pub bands, and, you know, he made a good living out of it, actually. He'd done all right. He was a drummer, um, and my mum was into, my mum would, you know, play music in the car and stuff, but there, there was no kind of musical influence, so to speak. It was more just like things like Michael Jackson, Barry White, Lionel Richie, some 80s rare groove, you know, maybe Led Zeppelin and things my dad was into, you know. But as, as much as, you know, you, you sort of talked about it there like, you know, it was just there and it was on. Uh. But I mean, and then you reference some incredible artists there as well. So <laughs> that stuff must have cut through. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it's an argument. I remember when I was a kid, I was used to, you know, get my dad's headphones. He fucking hate it. He'd just be like, unwrap the cable, don't give him out. You know. Yeah. <laughs> but he used to have like drum tapes. He'd have drum tapes where he'd have been practicing, and I used to listen to them. Um, what just the drum tracks? Yeah, just like drum track. He'd just be practicing and have to record it on the so drums. That must have influenced like the, yeah. your love of hip hop, hearing yeah, just the yeah, raw, yeah, yeah. the raw. You know, I would argue that was probably the, probably the case. As much as I, I take, you know, I take more, um, I take more influ- influence from like, like the more pop culture side of it. Like, I would say that my mum and dad let me watch copious amounts of TV, which is bad for any kid. It's, you know, computers are, are bad now, but TV back then. You know, at least you got choices yeah. <laughs> with computer yeah, yeah, games. Yeah. You know? Like you just sitting down and you're watching that. And I think there was, I think you know, for the limited amount of channels that we did had, I was like there watching it all the time. So I think there was probably more of an influence of 80s, 90s culture, yeah. pop culture. And when you hear things like, I don't know, you hear things like, um, uh, Grain, like Grain Chill soundtrack, for instance. You know, I started putting a beat to it. Because it was always on. My last guest chose that. Really? He chose that as one of his tracks. No way. <laughs> How are you guessing? It's got a groove yeah, to it, man. Yeah, yeah. We're all in this age appropriation podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we know we're here. But yeah, it's, it's true though, isn't it? Like, um, those things are the, are the real con- controllers of, your, of what, what you're later to become. Um, I always found it really weird, actually, like the, the um, vocalists never did beatbox because I was so beatbox first everything else later and 
I was beatboxing at the age of like six or seven. I can't even remember never do. I can't remember not doing it. And I would always put a beat to something. I'd be playing my toys, putting a beat. It'd be laser. And it always used to trouble me, um, even at a really young age, like, as to why like people, singers, would and where this kind of connectivity of singing to people's emotions lie. Like how how come that does it and that that I do doesn't do that. And what's the diff, you know? And how come those singers don't beatbox? You know, that always used to, I always used to quiz that as a kid. So, where did, where, where did you sort of first, was it just messing around at home, just making noises as a kid that, that kind of evolved? Or was, you know, was it, did you hear Michael Jackson do it? Did you hear no. Dougie Fresh, you know, what, what was? Nothing. I didn't get into, I, I didn't get into hip hop till, well, until later on. Yeah. I was into a whole different sort of stuff up until about 12, 13. And yeah, dude, I, I don't even remember it morphing into sounds to beat. Yeah. I don't remember a thing. It was that far away. And I can't remember, uh, I can't remember where it started. I didn't, I hadn't listened to any hip hop, not in Sussex, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Just quickly, um, going back to your track two, where I asked you um, the song that, have an emotional impact on you. Here in Paradise City, mm. impacted emotionally how? Um, it just, emotionally is in seeing the stage, seeing them perform. I can see, you know, it's the snapshots that's in your mind of the, yeah. the music video itself. Yeah. And his voice as well, like going back to the, you know, identifying what the voice can do. Mm-hmm. I always found it really interesting with Axel, the way he would go like high, high octave, but then, you know, go low. And the, 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 the pattern and the, the rhyming scheme of it all on, on Paradise City is he's got a really high voice, but then on the verses, it's da 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 You know, that for me, I was like, I've never heard that before. Yeah. I'd never heard that before. Yeah. So, and they got all this crowd here, they're all doing it. Well, then, shit, like, yeah. you know, you can do anything. That was yeah. my immediate thing. That's good. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Okay, track three. A song that reminds you of your time at school. What did I put? Goldie. Yeah, Goldie in a City Life. That's yeah. a good tune, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Well, you know, Goldie at that time. Secondary school, right? Yeah, yeah. I was like getting into youth centres and graffitiing them. I had this youth centre in in the school, and um, they they foolishly gave me spray paint, and they were like, "Well, we've got bare walls. Do you want to start painting?" I was like, yeah, wicked, you know. But this was just as, like, drum and bass was coming through, you know, like, M beat and that. But Goldie seemed to be a little more sophisticated, and he he kind of... I remember the video as well. Um, the music vi- video definitely reflected a, a part of the world that I wanted to be more closely connected with. And Explain be, that a bit more. Um, it, you know, it's just, like, this feeling like the, the, the small village thing. You know, I was already... I was already um, creating conversation of like, you know, I've, ne- I've never really been a normal kid in them places, you know what I mean? Um, not the only gay in the village. It's not like I want to be, I want to be stand out and no one else can be. It was literally like I was into skateboarding. The trousers had to be baggy. The attitude was, you know, create. The, the focus was street culture. And, you know, I took a ton of backlash and stuff to the point where I was like, I ain't give a fuck, you know? Um, so I knew at some stage or another, I had to get out of that and go to where I knew, not be accepted, but knew where my creativity could be, 
exploited myself and appreciated by people. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. So I was about 17, I think, when that tune yeah. came out. That was enough for me. I was like, you know, to be given like a, you know, a bunch of cans and start painting a part of my village. You know what I mean? I'm like, wow, this is crazy. You know, and around the same time, Rec, this uh, producer, graffiti artist called Rec, he was doing like a school um, talks and he came into the youth centre. You know, he saw the graffiti. He was like, who did that? I said, I did that. And, you know, I remember him like sitting there showing people how to use an NPC and shit. And I was like, literally. How to use what? You had to use an NPC. What's you know, that? Um, uh, sampler. Right. You know, so like he was showing me how to use all this stuff and I was probably like one of three kids that actually gave shit. Everyone else was just flying around, ballooning about, yeah. just generally being dickheads. And like, I was just so intent on wanting to like be that, do that, get out there and be a part of it, yeah. you know? So I normally ask guests at this point about, you know, whether creativity was encouraged at, at, at school. And uh, aside from the example you've just given there was, was, was you know, was your creativity encouraged at school? Um, but only by one or, t one or two teachers, you know, that you find a good teacher, you know what I mean, then you'll be a good pupil, you know, you'll be a good student. Like, not all, not all teachers are designed to accommodate to every single kid. That would just be ridiculous. Yeah. And you've just got to find your lane, you know. I think once you tell somebody that you like something and then they embrace it, then you're all good, yeah. you know. You know what I mean? Completely. Yeah. yeah, couldn't agree more. What about sort of friends in that school? Did you fit in? Was you connected? Didn't like fit, no, I didn't fit in, but like I had a group of friends that kind of got it and we were all into different music and I think this really is what helped and what transferred my attention to drum and bass as well. Like I had a few friends that were, that shared my values in like rap and, and hip hop, but then I had a mate that was into, you know, hard house and, and drum and bass. Um, and then I had another mate that was into super into gaming and shit. And then I had another mate who was like into wrestling, WWF. Yep. And things. You know, so it was like a whole hodgepodge of like kind of over overthinking, um, obsessive about one thing, like uh, outsiders. You know, we weren't really. There's like four or five of us, and we just hang out. Yeah. So yeah. Equally passionate for their thing. Yeah, for their thing. Yeah. yeah. You know, but yeah, funny okay. times. Track four, mm -hmm. the first record you bought. Yeah, <laughs> right, okay. Right, so this first record I bought, right, I had one or two roads to go down I mean, down you've had here. some really cool choices so far, and you're about to fuck that right <laughs> up. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, 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 I wasn't in the front, all right? And, and you know it too. When this tune come out, it was like... Huge. Yeah, it was huge. Um, right, do the Bart Man, okay? <laughs> all right, let's do the fucking Bart Man. Now... I was asked on this piece of paper what was the first single I bought. Like, the yeah. first album I bought was Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction. Right. How I got it through the house at the age I was, I have no idea, but it yeah. happened. Um, Do the Bartman was a bit more of an easier proposition. Like, I walked up to... I walked up to I, actually, I walked up in WH Smith's. I picked up Do the Bartman, and I bought... And I also picked up Shabarank's Mr. Loverman. Yeah. And I walked up with both of them. And this idiot that was behind the counter, he gave me the the products, I opened up the Do The Bartman, there's the single. This geezer gave me the whole of the Shabarang's album. So I could have said Mr. Loveman, but yeah. it, was, it was an album, I picked yeah. up the album. Um, he gave it to me by mistake. So Do The Bartman for me, and the reason why I wanted to you know, just admit to the fact is like, dude, like, we all need our entry holes. Look, 
You know I, what I mean? I'm, I'm just messing with you because everybody that's done this podcast, no one said anything cool for that. You can't, man. <laughs> no, you of course can't. you can't. Everyone's got to start somewhere, right? <laughs> Simpsons' biggest show on the planet at that point, right? Yeah, for real. And it's an entry hole. It was an entry hole for me getting into like the more commercial side of rap, giving more dynamics to it, you know? I was into cartoons and drawing and graph, and she, the Simpsons were the biggest thing. Completely. I uh, you know. My brother, my brother's first record as well on picture disc as well. He had the picture Ooh, disc of Do the Bart Man, twelve inch cold. picture disc, mate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. MTV had just really like landed in the UK as well, hadn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah, Sky. massively. Yeah. Hello, I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is the songs that we're talking about in this podcast. If we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding. 
the Simpsons definitely held that took the baton and ran with yeah. it. Um, I was more of a, I was more of a Ren and Stimpy fan. Yeah. If I'm completely honest, like I like the, the, the bonkers and stuff. What happened it. there? Why did that just disappear? Because that was just so big, wasn't it? Yeah, and it was yeah. so good as well. Yeah, yeah. So the the creator, the, the man behind Spumco, 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 he um he only did two two seasons of Ren and Stimpy, arguably the better ones. Yeah. Because it then went into kind of more foul territory. Nickelodeon took over yeah. and kind of yeah bought them out. I don't even say bought them out. There's a lot of disgruntled animators. Yeah. After the second season, other animators came in and then they started doing that more kind of close inspection style cartoon framing, you know, with all the details and just general, you know, hit hit Stimpy with a pan on yeah. the head for the sake of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which I love. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Well, we're going to move it forward, Snare, and... Uh, well, I'm, I'm imagining you've left school by the time we get to this question. Um, and it's the song that soundtracked your years clubbing. But but before you answer that, so at what age did you sort of head, head into town, uh, into London, I imagine, and start what you mentioned, sofa surfing and, and mm-hmm. spending as much time up here? How old was you then? Um, I was about 17, 17. I remember my 18th birthday and I remember being in sixth form at school and uh, because I was dyslexic I was given like tons of like uh, lessons in the special needs unit and couple that with glandular fever I had to take a year back and then I was pretty much free with so much time in my diary I probably only had like four classes a week by then yeah. um, I still have dreams thinking I should <laughs> wake up thinking I've got class. <laughs> 40 years old, I've got class. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, um, I just like decided to duck out. And yeah. I was, I was f- being forced by my mum and dad, well, my dad more so, to kind of fall in line. And I was like, no, I don't want to want to do that. I kept on coming up to London um, and I just would go into little record shops and that's where it all began, really. I met with a whole new set of peers, graph writers, MCs, DJs, and they were into the fact that I was like proactive coming out of London into London. And what was you bringing to the table? Mostly like connecti- connectivity in that I would always like call everyone up, say, all right, this day, be yeah. there, be there on yeah. Saturday, be there. And we all went to different, each of our houses in London, go do rap ciphers and stuff. And then I started beatboxing. Doing what, sorry? Like rap ciphers. Like, What's that? Um, you know, when you go and do like open mic sessions right. around at people's houses, you know, we make um, DJ graphics, he would have like a, deck set up and he'd have like a two mic thing so we'd sit him in a corner be doing bucket bombs and we'd just be like rapping 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 yeah. and I'd be rapping avidly but I always knew that like that compared to some of my peers in the room I you know if you can picture like the old school kind of rinse fm grime days in the basement it was like that yeah a lot more sepia and hazy from what I remember it but it was a, there was a lot of competition with the raps and I just Knew that beatboxing was so much an ace in a in a in a sleeve, you know. Yeah. I, I knew I was really fucking good at it, but it wasn't it wasn't even spoken about as ever being the thing to do. For me, for me, it was almost like, oh god, what if I tell them I beatbox? <laughs> oh my god, what would they think? You, you hadn't know? even mentioned that at nah. all. No, nah. and it was only when I went to Reading that, um, which so it wasn't London, it was Reading. I went to, and I did the, uh, I, did, I jumped. I went to see Company Flow, and their sound went down. And my mate Lex at the time turns around and said, dude, 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 do you remember that thing you did the other day, the beatboxing thing you said you did? Get up there and do that. Get up and do that. Can you do the beat that they've just lost power to? 
And I, looked, I listened about, yeah, I can do it. So I jumped up. You know, I was underage, you know, to jump up and do it. Yeah. But it changed the whole course of my life. Yeah. Just that moment, getting yeah. up and doing it. So. Yeah. How did it feel? Yeah, it's a fucking buzz, man. <laughs> <laughs> it was a buzz, you know. Were you nervous? Um, anxious, not nervous. Because the moment, thing is, right, I've never had, and this is going to sound slightly egotistical, but it's the truth. I've never had a, I've never had, at that time especially, I've never had a weak show because the moment I jumped up and did that, it was rapturous. It was like, what the fuck? The white kid, what's he doing? You know, it was that because there was nothing else going on. Like, no yeah. one else was beatboxing like Razel. Yeah. Apart from Razel, really. And, uh, yeah, it was cheers immediately. And the cheers just kept on going, kept on going. It builds your armor up, doesn't it? And before you know it, like, that becomes your reason for leaving the, yeah. the, the village. And to explain to my dad later down the line, it's like, no, dad, you don't understand. Yeah. Like, Every show's really good. Like you've got to give, you've got to give us a chance. Yeah. And he's like, all right, you got six, you got, you know, you got to the end of this year, yeah. something like that. To so, so is your colour apparent in these shows at this point? Some places, some places for sure. Like, uh, um, I didn't think any which way about it, because if you're fucking good, you're good. Like, yeah. Be fucking good. Sharp and be good. Yeah. Um, and that was my attitude. Um, that ain't a bad attitude to have, right? No, yeah, just go, you know, yeah. get up and do it. Um, so yeah, but it was, it was, it was, it was definitely the fact, yeah. Okay, so what was the song that that soundtracked your years? What did I put? Uh, you went for Pete Rock. <laughs> yeah. See, right. Okay, so that was a Reading staple. Right. That that uh, yeah. This tune you're about to hear was a staple for me. I remember seeing an old VHS video of the of the time. That the, the company flow show and that lot, you know, and big up Mice Diggy as well and uh, Shorty Blitz because they were definitely part of my childhood soundtrack. They were they were at this these events as well, um, as were a ton of graffiti writers, as were you know DJ Vadim, big up DJ Vadim as well. All the Ninja Tune lot. There was a real kind of like collective pot of like rap backpacker and alternative kind of trip pop rap stuff that was going on it's exciting as fuck isn't crazy it? yeah like crazy it was, it was like Bristol meets London every weekend yeah. and Pete Rock this Pete Rock tune was definitely one of the staple ones for that back back yeah. era you know mm -hmm. excellent so what as, as, as a well, I suppose just turning 18 year old like what did you want from clubbing um Maybe it was a maybe it was like a an an added like box tick like certification, you know, validation. Like after all my uh, childhood, like not having that kind of peer acceptance, and not having like an outlet to do it, and you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't darken every single aspect of my childhood. You know, I used to go around the back of the you know, factory estates and build skateboard ramps. I had a collective of people that I'd hang out with too. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't all kind of one-sided, but um, to have like clubs where it's just like, what? All of a sudden, like what I used to listen to became a spectator. That was a spectator sport, suddenly became an athletic sport. Like there's other people doing it and doing it really at a high level, you know? When I think back to Guns N' Roses, I think about their showmanship and it's something that completely their their 
there felt like a dangerous spontaneity in their performances, like they'd really honed their craft, like the way Slash would play, like in a real don't give a shit kind of way. That was, it completely overpowered and immersed anything that, that the UK were doing in terms of live music. It was just like, what? So when I see like graph writers or rappers or DJs doing some of the most incredible shit like in, you know, 10 years later, I'm like, whoa, right, so okay. And knowing that I could be a part of that, that was it, man, that was it. Like all of those things that I'd grown up believing was the, the principles of being yeah. fucking shit, that, that, that came to light then. Man. So for a lot of people, uh, when I ask them this question, you know, they're like, well, I wanted to meet girls, I wanted to meet guys, I wanted to get drunk, I wanted to explore mm. what, was, what was out there and what was new to me. And it's interesting because mine was very similar to yours in regards to, yeah. I wanted to be around like-minded creatives and I wanted to connect with these people because I wanted to explore this and make something of myself within this yeah. scene. Where are you originally from? Essex. Essex, yeah. yeah. See, so it's, it's that kind of overflow of, um, of London yeah. where you get enough information, yeah. don't you? But you, somehow you're still arm's length, yeah. isn't it? Completely. It's a, it's a long way away, mm. that 20 minutes from Essex to, Gray, uh, from Essex to, to London. It but, is, isn't it? And, it? and it's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, but, but isn't that the way, isn't it? So were, were you into like all this... It wasn't hip-hop related stuff? No, I, I wasn't. I was always very much sort of into my alternative music. Yeah. However, my, my, my best mate at that time uh, was a guy called DJ Destruction. Yeah. Um, and he'd won DMC yeah. and, uh, when he was 15. Sick. And, yeah. and, and he was a, a graph writer. Yeah. And, 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 and then literally fast forward a couple of years and this skinny little white kid from Grey's is in America producing Buster Rhymes, Method Man, Della Soul, Stop. LL Cool J, uh, Guru, with, with, uh, with Adam F making the Chaos album. And like, oh, no way, that's sick, really? And, uh, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah, he's done an episode, so if, if people want to hear about his story, it's, it's quite amazing, he's, yeah, he's done man. an episode of Listen, this. I've got to big up your podcast, I love it, it's fucking Thanks, great. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, I, I follow it avidly. Oh, it's very mean, nice of you. There's certainly something to be said about the... the, um, the, the uh, ecosystem that is podcasting it doesn't feel it. at the moment there's no com, there's no hierarchy or kind not of not at all it's vibes isn't it it's <laughs> all it is and like and and I, I speak to pip about this a lot that the fact that it is like there's just nothing but support yeah. for it yeah. and and th there's no well, well I'm, my one's better than his one yeah, Do you yeah, know yeah. What I mean? it's, it's, none it's, of that. it's not there and it's, it's lovely it's so and, good uh, isn't it yeah yeah track six so you didn't even send me an answer for this one. So it was a, a favourite track from an artist from your hometown. Yeah, because I, I couldn't think of anyone like from my hometown. I'll tell you what, let's, let's switch it up then. Yeah. What's the greatest artist that you saw perform in your hometown? Right. Hometown, if I was to be broad as, say, Sussex yeah. area? Yeah, county, yeah. Um, best performance while living there that I saw um, was when I went down to Brighton and I saw um, the Scratch Perverts. Nice. Dude, the four of them, 
That was close, actually, because I was going to say Big L and OC. Because OC's, you know, he's awesome and Big L's no longer here. But certainly, I got completely, I got the bug as soon as I saw the scratch DJing being done with four decks to the way that they were doing it. Yeah. You know, it was just like, what the... F and to be part of the crew later down in the year was yeah. just like insane. But like at that time when I saw these boys do it, I was like, man. Like, and also because they were so adult, you know, they were like, what, five, six years older than me, maybe a little more. Yeah, maybe a little more. They felt like, they felt like an indie band yeah. but with, on turntables. Yeah. They were just like, fucking Tony Vegas looks like something out of Stone Roses. Yeah. He's fucking... And, you know, Prime Cuts looks like he should be working in a bank or something. Yeah. But these guys are fucking tearing. <laughs> That's great, isn't it? <laughs> Mate, they, you know, they were saying to be old, weren't they? Mm. Re really were. Really they were. actually, um, so Plus One tells me, he, he said that they actually won, I think it was, Loaded Magazine, um, Rockstar of the Year. Amazing. Scratch Perverts, you know, uh, you know, above Oasis and that. Like they were proper rock and roll. Yeah. For for their time, they really broke. Yeah. The rules. And the the sonically everything that they ever done, I, I thought just tick boxes. I thought yeah. it was absolutely bang on the yeah. money. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Okay. Last track, Keller. Mm. So this is your chance to to uh, to show off and play DJ and influence and. Uh, and suggest that people go and, and check this out. So it's a song that many may not know that you would like them to hear. Yeah, well, you and me share a mutual like appreciation for like the, the more kind of alternative, like in fact, more punk infused stuff like horror. Well, this come up because you walked in, in your horror t-shirt, and I was like, <laughs> mate, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a band that tick. I keep saying tick boxes. They tick all the boxes for all the music I like. Yeah, me too. All in, all in one little pot. Yeah, me too. And live as well. Yeah, like, the whole thing. Like they're like the fusion of everything and city morgue right so the, the the soundcloud rap phenomena kind of that happened maybe 2014 20 no 2015 2016 there was a lot of young guns coming through and one of them was zilakami like zilakami um, i don't care what anyone says like sorry i'm just gonna take back the 2015 soundcloud soundcloud there was like a kind of subgenre to soundcloud that was building like trippy reds from that era um sauce Mula, Zilakami, um, Takeshi69. Those are kind of the more prominent ones. There's a few. There's a handful of others. But for argument's sake, they were kind of on the bubble. And they were using SoundCloud in the same way, I guess, people used to use MySpace right. to get their, okay. their message out, right? Sure. Um, Zilakami, for me, he became somewhat of an influencer with his, not only his look, but his rap. He had like a real thing going on about him. He had a real energy and you could see other people gravitating to that energy and replicating it you know like Takashi 69 was definitely the adopter of like the colored the colored hair and everything but that was within association to Zilakami right and Zilakami also penned a lot of Takashi 69's lyrics so there was a relationship Zilakami is one half of City Morgue the other half is a guy called Sos Mula, who kind of came, he's back from like more, he's, I think he's maybe in his late 20s now, but he's from like Harlem, he's like proper gang. When Zilakami's from, you know, the, um, uh, the kind of 
camper van area. What's district of New York? He's he's more kind of like um, eight mile, I guess. Right. You know, um, the old lots and and Sosmula's like more, you know, coke dealer, drug dealer, turned rapper. And he then is in collaboration with Zilakami to do City Morgue, and their sound is like really like heavy, like trap influenced, but like Onyx meets DMX, all that kind of older Wu Tang kind of thing, yep. but with like so much upfront like punk angst, and it's so relevant and so ahead of its time. It's it's so if if. It's so identifiably unique within a culture that kind of has repetition. Yeah. Their shit is like so different. So yeah, this is this is um, this is City Morgue. Yeah. Wicked. Right. We will uh, we will add that to the uh, the Spotify playlist for people will go and listen to. What's happening? Tell us about your podcast. Podcast is good. As we're saying, it's like it's just like another. Why did you do a podcast? Did a podcast well for a couple of reasons. <laughs> First of all, like the aforementioned them and us split up, as did my relationship. And I was sitting there with my um, my good friend, James Russian, um, producer. Um, and I was there for a couple of days, just re-upping, getting my perspective and shit. And, you know, it suddenly dawns on you, you know, when you lose a, a part of your life, you know, you, got, you, you want to kind of reabsorb new stuff and really take on a new, you know, a new life. And he was like, what better thing to do in a podcast? Like, you'd be reconnecting with all your friends again and just kind of using that kind of to rehabilitate a loss, you know? Um, so I got angry, got annoyed, got, yeah, I'm fucking doing this. I'm going for this. I'm cooking cut, a cookie cut of this motherfucker. I'm doing it. So, like, next thing, I'm just on it. And the podcast has become, like, one of the most intense labors of love You'll know what I mean. Yeah, of course. It's just no joke. It's like you show up, you gotta do it. Yeah. It's like discipline one oh one. And also it's it's tough, you know. It's 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 labor intensive and it's become such a part of my life and doing it and reconnecting and be, I don't know, you just feel like you're at the forefront of something really exciting, you know? That kind of works in tandem with um, anything else Killer Keller's got going on. I've always been really um, interested in music. I've always been really been um, into like talking to people and getting into minds. And I don't know, you, you, you'll appreciate this when I say this. I, I learned to listen really quickly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas before I thought I listened to everything. Yeah. But now all of a sudden I listen to everything, yeah. even outside of podcasts, a hell of a lot more. Yeah. You know, you learn about yourself. And, and what's funny is like, and I've said this before, like the amount of times where I thought I could never reach in connecting and getting a guest on and it happens and not only does it happen, but you, more interesting conversations happen off the mic. Yeah. And the kind of relativity that all of these artists have is yeah. they're all, we're all in the same boat, don't matter how high you think they are, yeah. how big they think they are, you sit down after, afterwards with a cup of tea and the real conversations come out. And yeah. They're exactly the same conversations that everyone else suffers with. All the problems are all the same. Yeah, of course. And that, that to me is like, it, it becomes therapy, you know? Yeah. We're all flesh and blood, right? For real. And so, what's the podcast called? A Killer Keller podcast. Okay. And you've got to come on, man. You've got to come I'd on. I'd love to, mate. Yeah. I would love to. So, who, who've you had on? Um, I've had, wait, um, uh, Jag, Jag Skills, Toddler T. I've had 
punk band Mummy. I've had Manga, Roll Deep, Cine from Drill Gang 1011, Naina Cherry. Um, You've had Naina Cherry on? Yeah, Naina Cherry. Man. I've, I've got, like, I've had graffiti writers. I've had, uh, dude, I've had adrenaline sports guy. Like, but, like, people on top of their fields, people, you know. But then, then at the same time, like, underground guys, like Kiko Bun. I had Kiko Bun come through. Jordan from Rizzle Kicks. Um, Rosca, Plastician. Wow. Yeah, like, just, but it's street culture, you know, like, I don't, I don't pretend to be anything else than, like, if people want, if people ain't got time to go and check out what's going on in their nearest, uh, young people's social media app because they've got nowhere else to find where street culture is right now. This is this is a filter for the for you. You know, you every week just clock on, new new guest. You know, every give, week, yeah. Every week, new new guest every week, plus a beatbox cipher um, freestyle session with them. You know, wicked. Yeah, it's just like you know, it's just it kind of it, it does it galvanizes my creative set skills. So like, beatboxing is definitely a part of that, and part of the podcast does is you know, the graph aspect and the hip hop rap side of it too. And um, where can people hear it? Um, KillerKellerOfficial.com but you know on iTunes Spotify Stitcher Deezer YouTube SoundCloud all of them cool well what we'll do is um, if it's cool with you we'll tag you on everything when this comes I'd out love that. and uh, and then yeah go and chat to Keller about what your thoughts are on his tracks good bad or average get yeah, in touch man. with him let him know and check out the podcast yeah man and what's the what's this because I know you've probably talked about it, the um, pod bible this thing is sick um, thanks mate this is the magazine like this is the I guess it's the fl- the fly enemy equivalent of like the. It is. It's a one-stop guide, magazine. mate. To podcasts. Yeah. yeah. See, see, that's the shit. I love <laughs> Thanks, that. Thanks, man. That flicks my switch. Hard. I didn't even have to hype my own uh, new product there. You've done it for me. Well, Lovely. yeah, because you was picking up the because you have got an awesome podcast. And, but Thanks, man. But to see this sort of thing popping off as well, I'm like, yeah. gee, this is sick. <laughs> like, Steve's killing it. And mate. also the f- posters you're doing. That was inspiring. When I saw you do the posters. For fell off the beaten track. Oh, thanks, man. Like when I saw the posters, I'm like, oh, that's yeah. it. Yeah, there's some there's some great artists. There's um, I actually sat down with Paul McDonald last week, and he's the guy that that done the ink drawing uh, with every possible genre and, and references to songs within the genre. That that artwork's amazing, and and the 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 kind of obey style one that mm. um, that was an artist called Grady Draws, and, and both of them are well worth a follow on, on the Instagram because no. they're uh, they're talented people. Congratulations uh, on that, bro! Especially it. Thank you very much, yeah. and, and thank you so much for doing it. It's been a real pleasure, man. Yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Cheers, man. Peace. Bang, boom, finito, kaput, finito, finished. There you go. What an absolute star. I uh, really, really enjoyed sitting down with Keller. It was, uh, it was a great chat. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, we carried on chatting much long after the uh, the record button was was switched off, and uh, and, and hopefully our, our paths will cross again in the future. Um, Keller was kind enough to invite me onto his podcast, which I'd be absolutely thrilled to do. So hopefully, at some point soon, that will happen. Um, go and check the podcast out, obviously. Um, and if you enjoyed this podcast, then have a look through the back catalogue because there's loads of other interesting guests we've had on. Musicians, artists, producers, comedians, the whole shebang. Um, and if you are having a little route through and you like what you see, then then give us a like or a subscribe or a share. 
And, and any feedback's always much appreciated. If you do want even more off the beaten track stuff, then there's another episode out every week over on Patreon. So head over to there, and for a small a small subscription, you you kind of put yourself forward to help support. Uh, the podcast and you get more content and you can find out about all of this stuff and the merch and everything else at www.offthebeatentrackpodcast.com that's me done i'll see you next time have a lovely week bye oh yeah sorry i've butted in yet again i just want to quickly tell you about this magazine it's called pod bible now, Pod Bible is the new essential guide to podcasts. It's put together alongside Spotify and Acast, and it's a one-stop shop to tell you all about the podcasts you maybe know about, but definitely about a load of the podcasts that you probably don't know about that we think you should know about. I mean, in the first edition, there's interviews with Adam Buxton, interviews with Craig Parkinson, and there's features on Jade Adams, and there's just an abundance of information about so many exciting podcasts that are out there. Also, Spotify have given us these amazing little codes. So if you do get a print copy, you can just turn on your Spotify on your phone, scan the little code, and it just automatically opens up the podcast on your listening device. How good's that? If you haven't managed to get a print copy, then just go over to www.podbiblemag.com and read it online because the digital version is all over there and it's all free. So every other month there'll be a new edition out. So go and have a look and support us on the social medias as well. Podbiblemag.com It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whiffin. 